ready to bring you a, a message of hope this morning. Uh, last week, as I was preparing for the message that I brought, how many of you were blessed by that message? How many of you are taking the mountains in your life? How many of you were encouraged for that? I've got some mountains that I believe God is calling me to take. And um, as I was preparing for that message, I was just so struck by this man, Caleb. Not only his faith, but the way that he held on to the word of God and obeyed it even when for 45 years didn't see the promise. 45 years didn't see the fruit fulfilled in his life of what God had spoken, yet he never wavered. He never gave up. He held on to that word. And, and that just really resonated in me. And I was thinking about if we're going to be a people that hold on and keep the word of God, persevere to believe in faith for what God is doing and speaking. I believe God is speaking to some of you. Is God speaking in your life? Is he, is he giving you a word uh, that he wants to use in your life to transform not only your personal spiritual growth in life, but give you a word of direction for your future? And, and I love that we serve a God that is a God that gives us a future and he gives us a hope. Amen. And today we're going to tap into that hope. But in order to do that and really allow the word of God to take root in our life and produce what it desires. And, and we're going to grasp the promises of God in his word. We're going to have to watch our hearts. Because depending on the condition of our heart is dependent on whether or not the word of God takes root in our, our hearts and the promises of God take root in our heart and they produce the life-giving power and potential that the Word of God has. So today, I'm actually uh, going to read to you a portion of Scripture. My very first message I ever preached here, back when it was called New Covenant Church, was out of this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you today and preach to you today. And um, it just kind of brought back some memories. But I also think it's a foundational message that when God is about to move and do something powerful in your life, the thing that he's going to do is he's going to prepare your heart for it. And I believe God is moving. He's already moving. And I, I believe that is building and God is doing something. And if we're going to realize the full potential and power that what God wants to do and what he's doing, we're going to have to watch the condition of our heart. So I want to share with you a parable, which is a short story that oftentimes Jesus would teach using stories that related to the culture of the day, something that they would experience in everyday life. Now, I know we don't live in an agriculture culture today, but back in biblical times when Jesus was walking the earth and ministering, that was the culture they lived in. That was how they made money. That was their source of, of not only income, but it was their source of life. And depending on how well you did agriculturally, depending on how well you thrived in life. And so oftentimes Jesus would use stories about agriculture to show them spiritual principles. And we're going to look at one of those stories today in Luke chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. If not, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. I'm going to read out of the NIV version. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Now let me set this up for you. Jesus uh, has begun his ministry, and the word is going out that his teaching is unlike other, other, other teachers of the day, that there's something special about the words that he's speaking. In fact, Jesus himself would say that my words are spirit and they are life. And people 
are, are resonating with what he's teaching and preaching. There's something about this man and there's something about the words that he's teaching and preaching that are penetrating their hearts, that are stirring their hearts. And I hope and pray that every time that we come to church and we gather around the word of God, we realize that we have potential to have our hearts stirred. We have potential that, that we can hear a word of God that when we allow it to penetrate our soul and go down deep, it has the potential to change us, to transform us, to give us direction, to give us wisdom in our life, to transform our relationships, our marriages. And uh, I believe that this passage of scripture is going to encourage some of us this morning. And I'm going to start to read to you out of Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus, from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, and it choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Now, right about now in this story that Jesus is sharing from the crowd, they probably would have gotten some, <gasps> because a hundredfold is astonishing. Like a farmer back then, they would have been happy with 15-fold. I mean, 20-fold would have been like unbelievable, amazing. For him to say a hundredfold was just flat out unbelievable, astonishing. Couldn't believe that kind of fruit. And he goes on, it says this, when he said this, he called out. Now this is important. We have to get this this morning because this is something that Jesus was constantly saying to those who would hear his message. And I believe that the Holy Spirit would want to challenge us with this morning. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, Jesus, what he was saying, he wasn't speaking to our physical ears because we could hear things but not really hear him. Come on, like a husband listening to his wife, like sometimes if we're going to admit it, guys, like we hear you, but I don't really hear you. Like what you're saying isn't what's translating to me. And that would oftentimes be the case. Jesus is saying, you can't just hear these words. You have to hear them through the ears of faith. You have to hear them through the Spirit Otherwise, they won't make sense to you in the way that it's intended, and it won't have the intended results. And then he would go on to say this. His disciples asked him what the parable meant, and he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. Now, you might think, that's kind of mean. Like, Jesus, like, why do you got to be like that, man? Like, why do you got to say things knowing that some people aren't going to get it? But actually, he takes that scripture, I believe it's from Isaiah, where he says that if, if they would hear and turn to me for understanding, I would open their hearts to be able to understand it. See, Jesus is always looking for people, just like he's looking in this crowd right now, for people that are turning to him and say, God, open my heart. Help me understand and get what you're trying to teach me. And he goes on this, and I don't know what verse that is. 
This is the meaning of the parable. Now he's beginning to explain the meaning of the parable to his disciples. He said, the seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that though they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they did not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And the seed that stands on good soil, it is the one with a good and noble heart. They keep it and persevering. They reap a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your life-giving power of your word. God, thank you for the men and women that literally gave their lives so that we could read this word and let it go deep within our spirits to bring forth the life and the fruit that you desire. God, I pray today for every single person in this room, every single person watching online, those that would watch this in the future. God, I pray that you would open up our heart and understanding right now. God, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? God, would you help us to be in tune with what you, Holy Spirit, want to speak to us today. God, I pray that you would use your word to not only transform us, but to bring forth what you intend for it to do within us today, that it would bring life, that it would bring peace, that it would bring joy, and that it would bring fruit that lasts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Now, church, can we do this together? Um, as you know, if you've been around Hope Church long, I've just had this conviction to pray for our nation. I believe that the church, more than ever, needs to pray for our nation. And so can we take 60 seconds and just pray for our nation together? That means that as I'm praying, you're praying with me and you're believing in faith. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to live in the great nation, the United States of America. Thank you for the men and women, the brave and courageous men and women who gave their life that we might live in this country that is based on one nation under God, that is based on freedom. God, I pray today that you would forgive us of putting other things above you to following other gods and God, I pray that you not only forgive us, but you do what your word says, that you would heal our land. God, that you would sweep over this nation once again with revival fire. God, I pray that you would breathe on this nation. God, would you do what you did in the past before when you've changed the course of direction of this nation? Would you bring revival? Will you start with your church? Would you start with us? God, why not us? Why not now? Why not in Kalispell, Montana? Why not in the Flathead Valley? God, we pray for Washington, D.C. We pray, God, if uh, President Biden does not know you, that he would come to saving faith in you and that you would give him godly wisdom to lead our nation. We pray for Vice President Kamala Harris. God, we pray for Congress. We pray for the House of Representatives and the Senate. We pray for our, our, our judges over this nation, the Supreme Court. God, we pray for those who would vote in critical elections. God, that you would lead them and guide them as you guide our country back to one nation under God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said...
Amen, amen, amen. The title of my message to you this morning is really um, a statement. It's an action. It's a command. I was kind of wrestling with it, but because I think a, a title speaks something. It should speak something to you. The title of my message to you this morning is Cultivate Your Heart. Cultivate Your Heart. What struck me about um, this passage we just read is the fact that, that God's word is powerful. Is powerful. In fact, um, I was reading this story that reminded me about the power of the word of God. The, the, Jesus said in, in this story, in this parable, parable, that the word of God represented the seed. And back then, what I love about our God is that no matter the condition of the ground, that God was constantly scattering seed. In fact, back then, the way that they would plant crops and scatter seed is the, the sower, they would call him, would wear this bag that he would carry around their chest and there would be seed in the bag and they would go around and they would throw or scatter the seed over all the ground. And the, hopes, the hope was that the ground would be fertile enough and, and cultivated enough that the, some of the seed would make its way into the soil and it would produce the intended result, the life through the crops that, that the seed was that they were planting. And um, what I love about this story is no matter the condition of the soil and the ground, that God still scatters seed. He's scattering seed. Like, it's one of the things I love about his word, that I could be preaching a message right now and God could be planting a seed inside of you that's different from your neighbor or somebody over here, that God could be speaking to you personally through his word about a situation in your life, giving you hope, giving you direction, giving you peace, giving you joy. Um, but there's power in the word of God. And I was reading the story about how uh, many years ago they, they were digging, they had this archeological uh, site in Jerusalem and they were digging around Herod's temple now, if you, if you know the Bible, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know that in Jesus' day, Herod was, was one of the rulers. And they were, had this archaeological site where they were digging. And what they found was astonishing. They, they find all kinds of stuff. In fact, archaeological... Okay, I'm not even going to try to attempt to say that a third time. You know what I'm talking about. Those guys. Those guys were, you know, every time they uncover something, it actually backs up the history of the Bible and, and continues to prove the Bible is true. It's, it's history and it's his story and it's our story. And, and when they were digging around, they found these ancient seeds they, and they were date palm seeds. Now this, this type of seed, uh, this type of tree isn't around any longer. It's extinct. It only existed back in Jesus' day. And in fact, a date palm tree back then, that, that the fruit of the date palm tree carried with it medicinal uh, attributes and people would eat it and there was there was no in fact it only grew it grew in arid places it grew in dry places and oftentimes it was the only fruit that was in the most dry places that would uh, re re replenish people refresh them and give them what they need and they actually have done research about the medicinal purposes or, or attributes of the date palm seed that it said that it can cure depression and there are things in that seed that help people and bring life to people. And I thought, this is crazy. What they found was seed from over 2,000 years ago, and it was dried up, and they thought it was dead. 
But some of them said, you know, let's, let's try to plant it. Let's cultivate it. Let's, let's water it. And let's plant it in some good soil and cultivate it. And let's see if it won't germinate and produce something. And they did just that. And what do you know? Um, they ended up calling that seed Methuselah, the Methuselah seed. And, and they did that. If you know the Bible, Methuselah is the oldest person in the Bible. And at the time, they thought this might just be the oldest seed that ever brought forth life. And it started to plant, and it turned out it was a male seed. And so they took some of the pollen because they weren't sure if the pollen would work. And they put it on a female uh, plant. And what do you know? It produced date palms. And, and it produced fruit. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the power of seed. In fact, uh, I brought with me just to show you, because I love that God uses the analogy of a seed for the word of God and how powerful it is, but yet how small it is. And I can't, oh man, there goes my seed. (laughs) But you may or may not be able to see this, but this little seed in my hand, I got this from an apple at home. And even though it's, it's one of the smallest, in fact, when Jesus would Um, talk about the mustard seed being one of the smallest seeds. He would say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and it will be cast into the sea. And I was thinking about the power, the life-giving power of a seed. This may not look like much to you. In fact, some of you may not even be able to see it. And I think this is so cool because this is the power of the word of God as a seed in our own life. That the word of God has the power to not only change you, transform you, but turn it to something that produces fruit, that produces life in you. And when, when uh, we talk about life, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, verse 23, when we talk about fruit, we talk about Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, uh, what else? Self-control. How many of you can use some more patience? Oh, Jesus, please, in your life. How many of you could use some more self-control? No more Krispy Kremes, you know? This is what I'm talking about. There, there's, so many, there's so many things in our life that, I don't know about you, I want to see more fruit in my life. I want to see more of the fruit of the Spirit. I want to experience more of the joy and the peace and the love and the goodness and kindness that Jesus died to give me. And yet, when I read this, it reminds me that even though the seed has power and potential to change us, to transform us, to bring fruit into our lives, and not only just fruit for us. How many of you know that fruit tree is not just for the tree? It's for the people around them. That God has called us just like as a church, we're going to go serve, and we're going to take that joy, that peace, and we're going to bring it to our community. We're going to bring it to work when we go to work tomorrow morning. We're going to bring it to our schools. We're going to produce fruit so that we have enough, not just for ourselves, but we are overflowing in the abundance of joy. We're overflowing in the abundance of peace and of love and of kindness and joy. All those things we want to overflow. The power, potential that the Word of God has in our lives, I think we underestimate it. In fact, I was thinking back to my own personal life, and it it struck me that every major decision that I've ever made in my life, every time my life was at a crossroads where it could have gone one way or another, it was always the power of the word of God 
that changed me, transformed me, gave me the wisdom to make the right decision. I was thinking as we were singing in worship and I was thanking God for just, just his goodness over my life. And I started looking back over my life and you know what? I said, I got no regrets. I got no regrets for anything in my life. You wanna know why? Because at every time my life was at a place where I had a major decision, I always sought God for his word. And his word has always been faithful to give me wisdom, give me direction, and to sustain me through the years. I was thinking when I was 19 years old, broken, lost young man, it was the word of God as I sat in the chair, listened to a preacher's message just like this, and he gave an altar call at the end, Rodney Howard Brown, to come forward and to receive Jesus. And everything in my spirit resonated with that word, but I was holding on to dear life. You know what I'm talking about? It's like at the end of service, you're like, man, I know God has called me up there, but I'm kind of embarrassed to go forward. I was clinging onto that chair, man, like it was a lot. It was like I was at sea and I was holding on to, you know, life vest. And, and yet I sat there and my will did not want to surrender to God until the word of the Lord came through my aunt's friend, Genevieve. She turned to me, looked me dead in the eye, and she said, go on. And before I could even think about it, I acted on that word. I got up, I went to the front, and my life changed forever in that moment that one day. I believe that there's some of you in this room that all it is gonna take is a word of God. And some of you that have been dry, you've been trying to figure out why God isn't moving more powerfully in your life, why your heart feels dried up, why the Holy Spirit isn't moving, why you, you feel like it's, it's work or labor to read the word of God, that you gotta force yourself to come to church. But let me tell you something, this is the power of the word of God. My Bible says that it is alive, it is active, it is sharp, sharper than to any two-edged sword even dividing our thoughts and intentions of the heart, going deep, penetrating deep inside of us so that when we come into the place of the presence of God like you did, like you are right now, that you could hear a word from God and it could change you. It could change you. It may, listen, it may not change your circumstances, but it will change the circumstances of the soil of your heart. It could change you on the inside. And you could walk through the same thing that you're going through, but you could be different because you're not letting it get to you because there's life on the inside of you. The Bible says in Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. It's the same, listen, it is the same life that in the beginning when God formed you out of the dust, mankind out of the dust of the ground, it says that he breathed his breath of life and ruah, and he became a living being, that all scripture is God-breathed. It goes out from the mouth of God, and it goes into your spirit, and it's, oh, I have life. There's life in the word of God. There's power in the word of God. There's potential in the word of God. There's potential to, I'm looking out, and I'm looking in your eyes, and the Holy Spirit is quickening me today. There's potential there is, do you know that the Bible says that God planted eternity in the hearts of men and women? That means that from the time that you were formed in your mother's womb, God saw you. He put seeds of his life and destiny and purpose inside of you. And you're here today because you know it. It's living, it's alive inside of you, but you're not seeing the fruit of it play out in your life. So here, here's the, really the big idea of this whole parable, this whole, and my whole message to you is this, that even though the word of God has the potential 
the power and the potential, if you guys can put that up, if even though the word of God has the power and the potential, it's not the word of God that determines fruitfulness. It's the condition of your heart. And what are you saying, Pastor Lance, that God's word can't overpower? Yeah, it can. But he wants your heart to want what he wants. He wants your heart and the condition of your heart to align with you. So I have a question for you this morning. Where's your heart? How's your heart? Because depending on the condition of your heart will depend on what you receive from the Lord. And if you allow God's word to go down deep within you like a seed and be implanted in your soul and produce fruit out of your life. So when I look at this parable, really Jesus is talking about there's four different conditions that he's speaking to in the heart. And in fact, right now in this room probably represents one of those four conditions of the heart. The first one was this, that there was a hardened heart. A hardened heart. And this represented the path. What I thought was interesting about the path is this was the common path. <laughs> this was the path everybody traveled. Can I tell you something? I, I believe that that path represents life. It represents where a lot of us were walking in the ways of the world. I love, um, I think it was Gregory Peck, maybe, maybe I'm getting it wrong, it says, um, I came to a fork in the road and I took the road less traveled and it has made all the difference. I wonder how many of us, our heart isn't receptive to the word of God because we're following the ways of the world. In fact, they would call a road a way. And Jesus himself would speak right into this saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he would call them to follow him. His way wasn't, isn't the way of the world. But there is a way of the world, and for too many of us in the church, we're following the ways of the world. And let me tell you, when you follow the ways of the world, what happens is you lose your sensitivity and receptiveness to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And our hearts can become calloused. And this could become dead religion. Yeah, it's one thing to come to church and hear the Word of God. It's one thing to read your Bible and have devotional time. It's one thing to go to a Bible study, but it's a whole other thing to allow the Word of God to change you, transform you, bring life, and bear fruit in your life and through your life. And God is not looking for us to just gain information. I think this is a problem in the modern day church because we are living in the information age where we have little computers right at our hand and this little thing called Google that we can look up scripture, we could find anything and we've gotten away from memorizing scripture. We've gotten away from allowing scripture to get deep in our heart and being able to pull it up out of our spirit. And this is a dangerous thing. For some of us, our heart has gotten callous. Jesus would even speak to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, and he would say to them, he'd say, you think you have life because you know my word. He said, but you're missing it because my word points to me. It leads you into a deeper relationship. Every time we read the word, hear the word, it should lead us into a more intimate, deeper relationship with Christ. We should grow more in love with him, right? And he would speak to me, he says, oh, your heart's, have grown hard. They're calloused. I wonder how many of us in the room today, we, we've got some calluses on our hearts. Maybe life has beat you up. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've gone through some 
physical challenges in your life, you're fighting a disease, you've gone through some hard times. Maybe some of you have gotten beat up by just, just things of life and your heart has gotten cold. The devil's convinced you. See, the devil would come and take the seed on those hard places and not allow it to penetrate your heart. When we go through some things in life, if we don't allow what we're going through to soften our heart instead, if we allow our hearts to get hardened, we don't allow the word of God to go in and Satan robs us of the destiny that God has for our lives. He steals it and he kills it and ultimately wants to destroy the purposes of God in your life. He does not want you to experience the fruit of the life that God has for you and for me. The second condition of the heart he talks about is the shallow heart. Now this is where um, the word of God gets implanted because there's some soil, there's some good soil there, but it gets implanted, it springs up and you receive it with joy. Just like you could be in a service like this, you could shout amen, Pastor Lance, you could take notes, but you could leave here and you don't see the fruit of that word work out in your life. You agree with it mentally, but you're not experiencing the depth and the power that that word has to change you and to give you life. Why is that? Because I believe it says that they were rocky places. The reason, there were, listen, there, it says there was no moisture. I thought that was interesting. That, that water is a type of the Holy Spirit. And yet God wants to pour out his spirit on your life and water the dry places, yet we have these stones. We have these rocky places in our heart. We have things like sin, bitterness, anger, jealousy. We have all these, these things that sometimes we have wounds from the past that are like big rocks and that every time that God is trying to do something, some of us got unforgiveness in our, in our hearts and those are huge rocks. In fact, unforgiveness is one of the major blockages to God moving in power in our lives. And yet a lot of us, we walk around with unforgiveness and it, it becomes like a rocky place in the spirit of our soul. The third condition was um, when it got choked out, the crowded heart. The crowded heart. And this is where I believe a lot of us fall into this one right here. And I find myself in this place oftentimes when I'm not seeing the fruit that I want to see in my life, oftentimes it's usually because I have, I have a rock. I have something that's kind of hard in my, my heart that I need to allow God to remove. Or I've allowed the busyness the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world, and the love of this world to choke out the life that God is producing or trying to produce in you and in me. And unless we take it serious that, that we have to actually cultivate our heart and try to disconnect from these things in the world to allow the Spirit of God to do what he wants to do in us, to get us to the final condition of the heart, which is a fruitful heart. This is where we want to be. This is where we want to live. We want to be in that place where we have a good, noble heart. We keep the word of God and we persevere. Notice Luke says, he, now this parable is in two other gospels, in Matthew and uh, Mark. But I chose this one in Luke specifically because it says that he kept the the one that produces 30, 60, 100 fold is the one who keeps the word of God and perseveres through it. 
And so how do we, how do we cultivate our hearts to not only receive the word of God, but let it germinate in the spirit of our soul and, and produce this kind of fruit and life? How many of you want to see more fruit in your life? How many of you want to see your marriage just thriving more, just more love in your marriage? How many of you want to, in your family, in your kids, in your relationships, you want to see more fruit in them? How many of you want to see more people come to faith in Christ? Come on, don't you want to be used, man? I, I, this place, I, I've got a vision for this place being packed to overflow because there's so many people that are hungry and thirsty for the living word of God, and they see the fruit in your life, and they're attracted to it. They want that kind of fruit. I want that kind of fruit. If we're going to experience that kind of fruit, we need to learn to cultivate our heart. Do you know what that word cultivate means? To cultivate means to prepare and use for the raising of crops. I, I would put it this way in the context of the parable. To prepare the soil for the seed to grow. See, to cultivate means to loosen or break up the soil to foster the growth of, to culture, which means to help grow biologically. I love this. Cultivate oysters for pearls. Come on, anybody want to cultivate some oysters to pearls in their life? How many of you got stinky, rotten fish that you want to see become beautiful? It reminds me of that scripture that says beauty for ashes. Come on, God wants to take some of those places in our life that are not producing life, and he wants to turn them into pearls. He wants to turn them into treasures that we can base our life upon. That's what God wants to do, but we have to cultivate it. So I've got a couple of things that I'm going to give to you real quick that I believe that we can use to cultivate. These are practical. Sometimes we just need practical things to outwork the truth of God. How do we, how do we cultivate our heart? I believe that this is a process that God wants us to take seriously. The first thing is this. We need to regularly search our hearts. Regularly search our hearts. Um, we tell our staff that we want to keep short accounts. And if there's something that goes wrong or we have a misunderstanding, that we want to take care of it right away. Why? Because the longer you put it off, the more things get in your heart. And... David understood this. David understood that, you know, life happens. Things happen. And we pick up things along the way. We pick up offenses. We get upset at things, right? Uh, things happen to us that we don't like, that we even question God about. And yet, for many of us, what we do is we kind of brush it under the rug and we keep going on. And what happens is those things don't go away. They just build up in our soul over time until they begin to be these rocky places. And in the worst case scenario, our hearts get calloused and they get hard to the word of God. And David understood this. David regularly would go before the Lord and he would say and pray this prayer, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What if we would just hit the pause button on life? In fact, um, my wife and I learned this lesson years ago when we were in a season where we were really just honestly tired. I actually thought I might be done in ministry. And we were tired. I wasn't completely burnt out, but I was at least halfway there. And we took six weeks off and we disconnected from life and I know we don't always get that or afforded that ability to do that but y'all were just so gracious and the leadership of this church was so gracious to give us that time 
And one of the things that we did, we didn't just want time off. We wanted to search our heart. We wanted to know what's going on inside our heart. And so we went away to this ministry called Standing Stone where you go for one week with this other couple, ministry couple, who had been in ministry, and they, they take you through a series each day. You get up, and they have different exercises for you to go through. And what we learned coming out of that week is this, is that this important principle that I believe is a spiritual principle, that we need to continually, regularly search our heart. And so what my wife and I did, we started this practice, you know, before we go to bed or we sit on the couch or in the morning, one of us would ask each other, how's your heart? What's going on in your heart? And there's times when that question kind of catches me, catches me off guard and I have to stop and pause and think. And as I do that and as I ask the Lord and pray, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. God starts bringing some things to mind that somebody said this and I took offense to it. Somebody did this to me and it hurt me and I haven't dealt with it. There, there's um, something happened that I didn't like and I'm frustrated with. I'm not seeing things happen the way I want to see. And, and I have to continually till up the ground and the soil of my soul and allow the Spirit of God to deal with those things. So for some of us, what that means is we have to regularly forgive somebody. Like forgiveness is a choice. You understand that, right? And it's a command by Jesus. He said, you, you need to forgive. Why? Because I've forgiven you of so much, right? The disciples were like, hey, do I have to forgive three times, six times, seven times? Like, what's the limit? There's got to be a limit. And Jesus says 70 times seven, bro. <laughs> like, it's unlimited. Like, you have to continually, daily forgive, let go of things, repent of some things. I think repentance is a lost art of the church. Repentance is recognizing where our mindset or where we've allowed some thoughts to creep into our life that are not of God, that we recognize are leading me to a bad place. You realize your thoughts and your mind is the gatekeeper to your heart. And what you allow, what you see, what you hear, that's why you have to hear by the Spirit and not just by your flesh. Because otherwise, your flesh will interpret things that your Spirit is saying, no, that's, that's not what I want you to hear. That's not who you are. Oh, man, Holy Spirit just told me, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Some of you have been listening to the wrong voices speaking to you, telling you who you are, who you're not, what you can do, what you can't do. And God says it's time to guard your heart, to remove those things and allow the Holy Spirit to speak over you through his word implanted in you who you really are. Your identity in Christ. Some of you need to, I'm telling you, you gotta just allow the spirit of God to not only search your heart, re daily repent of things, forgive people, repent of sin. But the next thing is this, you not only have to, uh, you know, ask God and search your heart regularly, do this, take time to do it, but you also have to guard your heart. You gotta guard it. We, we let too many things in our heart that should never be there. Some of you got things in your heart right now that are messing with you. And God said, I never put that there. I never told you that. I never wanted you to have that in your soul. And we need, to, we need to do some business. We need to search your heart. We need to cultivate the soil of your soul. And we need to get some rocks out. But even better, if you never even let them in, 
What if we learn to guard our heart? In Proverbs 2, uh, 23, sorry, 4.23, the Amplified Version says this, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. He's saying, out of everything you guard, come on, we lock our doors, we lock our cars, we lock our gun safes. What if we started guarding, we, we put... Um, you know, guards on our internet and filters on our internet? What if we started guarding our hearts in the same way? Above all, he's saying, guard your heart. Why? Because everything flows out of it. Life flows out of it. The seeds that I want to plant in you, if you don't allow those things to plant inside of you and you allow other things, it is robbing you of the very life, the peace, the joy that I want to give you in your life. But you got to guard it. Third thing is this, we need to allow fires and fertilizer to cultivate growth. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? There's another parable in the Bible that talks about a man who planted a fig tree. And for three years, every year, at the time of, of fruit, of harvest, he'd come out and there's no fruit on the tree, no figs. After the third year, he was frustrated. So he said, cut it down, and let's, let's use the soil for something that will produce fruit. And the carekeeper of the garden where the tree was planted, he said, hey, I know you want to cut this down, cut it out, and be done with it. I know you want to give up on it, but don't give up on it. Let me dig around it, and let me put some fertilizer on it. Y'all know what fertilizer is, right? <laughs> it's dung, like Sometimes God will allow dung in your life to spur on growth and to cultivate growth. Sometimes God will allow fires in our life, things that we think are devastating, things that we'll never recover from. But you know, sometimes when we are not growing spiritually and we haven't allowed the word of God to penetrate our heart and produce fruit, God says, I want you to produce the fruit of your life that I destined and planned for you. And if it, if it means allowing some fire to come into your life and to burn away all the dross and the things that are consuming the life-giving nutrients of the seed that I've implanted in you, I'll allow it because I care more about your life being fruitful than you being comfortable. But too many of us, we live in America where we're too comfortable. We've gotten too used to convenient fast food Christianity where if it doesn't happen fast, if we don't see God moving, then we're not gonna, we're, then we are give up on it. We're done with it. Just cut this out. Christian, I heard a guy one time say, yeah, that Christianity thing, that didn't work for me. So how long you been a Christian? Oh, about a year and a half. I'm like, bro, you're just getting started, man. That's like being married a year and a half and giving up on it. It's like, you don't even know each other yet. Sorry, all you newlyweds to break that. But you know what? <laughs> But I was, I was driving by, we were on our way, our family was on our way to Seattle to go catch a Yankees-Mariners game. New York Yankees, 27-time world champions, just saying. Die-hard Yankee fan, I grew, no booze, come on, from the peanut gallery. I grew up 15 minutes from the stadium, Yonkers, New York, so I'm a die-hard New York sports fan. And, um, and we were going to see a Yankees game and we drove right by where that Elmo fire was. And um, I know there's people here in the room that, that you were worried about your house being burned from that. And so this isn't, this isn't about that. But one of the things that I noticed while we were driving by, it was like, here's the highway. And right there is black on the soil, charred on the soil, burnt. 
devastating, just completely destroyed. My mother made an interesting comment, and she said, yeah, but give it like three years, and you'll start to see growth and vegetation and life come up like you've never seen before. And you know what? She's right, because I did some research on it, because I'm a researcher. And, and what, what happens is, over time on the soil, there's a buildup of debris, and there's buildup of, of even some like uh, organic material that can actually begin to stunt growth and to stagnate it to the point where nothing's growing like it used to grow. And I believe this is a picture of some of our lives, that God sees our life and he sees that we haven't grown in a long time. We're stagnant in our relationship with God and, and nothing fresh, nothing new is growing and yet God is trying to do a new thing. And so what will happen is he'll allow fires, he'll allow things to come into our life with the intention to burn away those things that are preventing the growth from happening in our life. I thought it was interesting because I was reading an article about um, in Yellowstone years ago, there was this massive fire, burned hundreds and hundreds of acres, but now they're seeing the beautiful growth in life that's coming from it. There, there's a guy who, who had this quote, he was one of the forest rangers. Listen to this. He said, it's not as though the fire burns and the place is nuked. He says, what we see above ground may look burned very badly, but there's a lot of activity below ground. I wonder how many of us have gone through some things in life and you feel burned right now, but underneath where you can't see, that you can only have ears to hear and eyes to see, God is doing something in your life is happening. Seeds are germinating. Life is beginning to sprout up. Listen, for the first part of the seed, the growth only happens in the dark. You don't see it until one day, all of a sudden, it, it, it comes through, it breaks through the surface of the dirt. Some of you right now, you're going through the dirt of life. You feel like, man, I, I missed it. I've got fires. I'm, I'm weeding through the, the dung of my life and there's, there's stuff that's coming at you. And in the middle of it, instead of running from it and escaping from it, I want to encourage you this morning to embrace it because it's God's way of spurring on growth and fresh life in your life. The fourth thing is this, we need to feed our heart. Worship team, you guys can come up. You need to feed your heart. Listen, nothing grows without feeding it. And this is all about taking time. Man, I think we skim over the Bible way too much. We've gotten used to listening to it. Uh, we hear it preached. We think that's good enough. Do you know that that book is covered in blood? But there are people who have given their very life so that you and I could have this book because they believe in the power of the seed of the word of God, how it can transform your life, that it can change your life. There's been so many times when the power of the word of God changed my life. It's like I was sitting in a, in a worship service just like this when, when God told me to move to Montana. I said, Montana, who are you crazy? You know who you're talking to? You're talking to the Yonkers kid. I don't know nothing. I've never even been west of the Mississippi. Why would I go to Montana? Isn't there like mountains and cows and sheep there? Like, I don't know nothing about that. What do you have me do that? I never would have dreamed or imagined that God would have brought me here for such a time as this. But he did through a word of God. I believe that God wants, wants to give some of you a word here today before you leave. But the only way that you're going to get it is, is if you allow and give space and time. You water it. You feed it. 
David understood this principle. I think we've lost the art of meditation, like godly meditation. It's different from the way the world does it where you empty your mind. No, no, no. Biblical meditation is you fill your mind with the word of God. And when we do that, we take time to pause. I thought it was um, interesting how the Jewish calendar works and, and even the flow of the day. Do you know that uh, a Jewish calendar, that the beginning of the day is in the evening? And it says in the Bible on the first day, it was evening and then it became day. So the day actually begins in the evening. I felt like I wanted to see God moving more in my life and God told me, stop reading the newspaper before you go to bed and start reading my word because it's the beginning of a new day. And I thought, what do you mean it's the beginning of the day? It's nighttime, I'm about to go to bed. He said, yeah, but I'm preparing your heart for the next day. And if you will give me the last hours of your day and fill it with the word of God, I'll speak to your soul in the middle of the night. I'll give you dreams and visions and I'll prepare you for the next day while you're sleeping with my word because as you read the word before you go to bed, it becomes like a seed planted in your soul that I'm beginning to water and bring to life. David would talk about this. He says, my soul awakens even as I sleep. Some of you, I believe that God will give you dreams. If you'll give him your night and your morning and the very last thing before you go to bed is you fill your mind with the word of God and you meditate on it, chew on it. The, David would say Selah at the end of some of the Psalms. Do you know what that word Selah means? It means stop, pause, stop your busy lifestyle. I know you wanna go here, you got kids to run here, you, you got things to do, you gotta check email, there's Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, there's all these things competing for your soul. But if you would just Selah, time out. None of this matters if I don't have the life-giving power of God working inside of me. Make room. Jesus would say to the Pharisees, he said, you know what your problem is? You've got no room in your heart for my word. You know what I believe our problem is? We've got very little room for God's word in our heart. We barely make it to church. Barely crack open our Bible. Last thing is this, and then I got a word, I feel like a rainbow word for some of you. It's we need to work it out in our everyday life. The way the word of God is activated in our life is you do something with it. You activate it in faith. In fact, obedience is key to the word getting planted in your spirit. Some of us, that means you need to come to the altar at the end. Some of you, when God is speaking, you need to act on it, obey on it. When God gives you a word, don't wait on it activate it because you know what there are moments that God gives us to respond to his word and there's windows there's two different kinds of time in the Bible and one of those times is there's an appointed time there's there's a there's a measure of life there's two different types of of seeds one can endure over time but one has a window of time. Sometimes God gives us windows of time that if you don't put it into action in your life, so God's speaking to you about tithing, start to tithe. 
Don't think about it. Don't wait on it. Start to tithe. God says to you, hey, I want you to go and serve on that serve day. Don't think about it. Just obey it. God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to go and serve. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I had plans on Saturday, but I'm going to activate it in my life. God says, go up for prayer. You go up for prayer. God says, I have a word that I want you to give to somebody. You give it to them. God says, I want you to invite somebody to church. You do it. When you obey, it activates the word of God and it brings forth fruit in your life. Last thing is this. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to close and we're going to party. But I believe God isn't quite done with us yet. I was asking God, how do you want to end our time together? And the Lord showed me clearly that he wanted me to give this word to some of you here. And here's the word. Don't give up. 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 Some of you, you you're on that edge. And you're ready to give up. Ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to stop believing. What brings forth the fruit, Jesus said, is they kept it and by persevering. Paul would say in Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart and grow weary in well-doing. That the appointed time, in just the right time, in due time. Some of you have been waiting for that due time. You've been waiting and you've been believing and you're about to give up. And let me tell you something, you are closer than you think. That if you won't lose heart, if you will lose faith, you'll keep believing. You'll hold on to that seed. I'm not letting go, God. Connor, you got to get that, that Jacob spirit inside you. I'm not going to let go until I see the fruit of the word of God that you spoke. I'm not going to let go until I see the fulfillment of the promise. you got to have that Caleb spirit that says, I'm going to hold on to that promise. I don't care if I'm 85 years old. I'm going to take that mountain. I'm going to take what God has spoken to me. He's given me that word. He's given me that promise. Some of you, you've got a word for your marriage. God is saying, don't give up. Some of you, you're struggling with sin in your life. Nobody knows it. And God is saying, don't give up. Some of you are about to give up on your marriage. God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Come on, I want you to put your hand on your heart. Maybe you're here today and your first step, spiritual step, is to say, I need to surrender my life to God. I got some rocks of sin in my heart. I need to be forgiven by God. The Bible says that if you will believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will confess it with your mouth, you will be forgiven and you will be saved. Maybe for some of you, that's your step. That's your spiritual step today in faith. That's the seed that God just planted in your heart. He said, if you will uh, believe that I, Jesus, came, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died your death on that cross, took all your sin, nailed it to the cross, rose again in resurrection life and power so that I could give you my life in exchange. I could give you peace. I could give you joy. If you'll believe that today, you will be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll be set free. For some of us, I believe that 
Our hearts have been calloused, hard. We got rocky places and now's the time where we need to do business with God. We need to give it to God. God, forgive me. Repent. Maybe for some of us, it's we need to forgive somebody. We need to let go of an offense. Whatever it might be. I believe that God gave me the scripture. He says, I will put a new heart in you and I will take that stony, hard, calloused heart and I'll remove it and I'll put within you a heart of flesh.